as the years passed, maybe I didn't think much of it. Like I didn't think it was a big deal. But like looking back now, I'm like, shit, at 12 years old, I attempted for the first time. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives. We almost never talk about it. We certainly don't talk about it enough. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. Now, if you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. I want to take a moment to thank everybody involved in this podcast, the guests who have come on and shared with me so openly and courageously, and everybody who listens week in and week out. Thank you. The main goal here is to help more people in more places feel a little less shitty and a little less alone, and I hope we're doing that. I think we are. So again, much gratitude to you all. If you want to help out a little bit more, you can rate and review this podcast that is only available on Apple, I believe. That does help people find it more easily, which of course we want. And a friendly reminder to check the show notes for all kinds of other things, including our membership. If you want to learn more about that, there are some perks. Check it out. Finally, keep in mind, we are talking about suicide on this podcast. We know it's not a good fit for everybody, so take that into account before you listen or as you listen. But I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. Today, I am talking with Kathy. Kathy lives in Vietnam, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, Kathy. Hello. Are you in the Philippines right now? Uh, no, I actually just moved to Vietnam this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Are you Filipino? I am, yes. You, so you learned English from a young age? Uh, yeah. My mom preferred to speak in English um, at home. Mm -hmm. And it was taught in school um, all throughout. So. Do you want to talk in English or Filipino today? Oh, if I did choose to speak in Filipino, how? Do you speak Filipino? Not a word. Oh, okay. <laughs> I do want, eventually, very much want all of my conversations to uh -huh. be in different languages. It's a big goal. It's a big project. But it's not. It's it's pretty cool. It's exciting, though. Mm, yeah, it is. When you're actually in doing all the work, it doesn't feel that exciting. But you are now in Vietnam. What part of Vietnam are you in? I am in Hanoi. Mm -hmm. And may I ask why you moved from the Philippines to Vietnam? I've always just wanted to get out of the Philippines. I don't know. I've just, I've lived there my whole life. And all I've ever thought about doing before was to move somewhere. And for the longest time, like I've had my eye set on, or I've had my mind set on the UK. Mm. So I spent years kind of like figuring out how I could move there, but mm -hmm. they're pretty strict. So you know, it wasn't getting anywhere. So um, I gave up on that and I decided to just stay in the Philippines. But then last year, I came to Hanoi on a holiday and I just fell in love with the place. And so I made a very impulsive decision to move to Hanoi. So like in a, in a span of like two weeks, I uh, packed all my stuff, sold all the rest of my things 
and I just I moved here. That's pretty courageous. Hanoi is a nice city. Um, it is. Minus the pollution, everything else is pretty much yeah. It's, it's I feel like um when I was here on a holiday, it was so good for my mental health. To this day, I feel like I made the right decision. Like there were a lot of struggles. I underestimated like how difficult and challenging it is to move to an entirely different country oh, yeah. alone with yeah. like no friends, yeah, no family. But I'm I'm surviving. <laughs> so oh, we're gonna get to that, Kathy. We're going to get to that. If you see the titles of each episode, it's someone's name in a place, right? I didn't have to do that. I'm just kind of obsessed with places. So are you from Manila or outside? Yeah, I'm from Manila. You went from Manila to Hanoi. You wanted to go to the UK. But you, Kathy, did something that I find rather interesting is that you presumably searched for the word suicide somewhere. Honestly, I don't remember because I think I reached out to you what two years ago it's been a while yeah um and at that time I was like fresh out of the hospital from my attempt I started my own podcast and so I was trying to find like a community like-minded people who are into the same thing and I'm a horrible ambassador for mental health right now because I have a problem with consistency like I was consistent at first but eventually like I stopped. I have to tell you, it is really hard. I, I think this is actually, and you know, I'm a little older than you, Kathy. This is the problem. Might, it might actually be the first time in my life that I've been able to maintain consistency like I have. So I, I'm not saying that for you to feel any differently than you feel. I just can relate. It's hard. It is. <laughs> and yeah. I, um, I struggle with topics because mm-hmm. at first, initially, of course, I was my goal was to like help raise awareness about mental health because that was what was so close to home for me um, at that time. But then eventually, as I started, you know, feeling better, I was like, what more can I talk about in terms of like mental health? And then I took a step back and Mm -hmm. I realized that there are so many other topics that actually kind of not directly relate to mental health, like Mm -hmm. psychology in general. Are you still doing the podcast or no? I posted one episode, I think that was a month ago. I do want to get back to it, but it's kind of hard juggling a lot of things because I'm still trying to settle here. And there's just so many things happening at yeah. once. Totally. I get it. What's the name of it? Uh, it's it's called Kathy the Panda Podcast. For me, it makes it much easier that my, the format of my podcast is me talking to other people. If it were just me talking, I, you're, I would have had the same situation. Like, what, what what else is there to say? I've said it all in two podcast episodes. What next? So that's cool that you, you're doing that, even if it's not consistent. Kathy the Panda, remind me, I'll put a link in there if, if you want. I am wondering also, and then we're going to get to your stuff, I promise, or more of it. No problem. <laughs> I always wonder, like, I think, I don't know how the algorithms work. Uh-huh. So many podcasts about mental health that if somebody puts mental health in like Spotify or Apple, mine's not coming up. I don't I don't have nearly the whatever it is to come up so people could say, oh, what's that? You actually have to put the word suicide in and then it might come up because it's more obviously it's like a direct yeah. keyword. I don't know. I, it would be cool if people could find it and it not just be them proactively putting the word suicide in, you know? Yeah. But that's just, you know, I'm competing. I don't know if the word is competing, but I'll use it. I'm competing against these big podcasts that have a lot of money and big staff. 
and they put a lot of money into like making sure they do whatever they need to do in 2023 to get found easily. Yeah. I don't yeah. have that. I'm just a bald dude in North <laughs> Carolina, Kathy. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, when you did your podcast, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to figure out what, what a, what's a podcast host. How do I edit? Two years ago, you reached out to me. Mas o menos. I'm speaking Spanish now. <laughs> um, why? Do you remember? I remember being so fired up about getting my story out there because I feel like suicide isn't talked about much. And if it was talked about much, it would always, I mean, suicide isn't positive. Yeah. But like, it's always seen as like just negative. Like people don't really understand all like the, the complexities of, you know, what goes inside a person's head when they think about suicide. Because to this day, I have people telling me that mental health, the whole thing about mental health is like a scam and that um, it's not real. Like people should just learn to be stronger, la la la. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. Kathy, do you think it ever worked that way? Do you think like 50 years ago, humans were different and that they were like just stronger? And so that actually mat- like that actually had weight because I don't. I honestly think what we are going through now, like, you know, in regards to mental health, I think people in the past have experienced it, but like they don't talk about it. Yeah. So they like, silently battle it on their own. Because like the idea oh. of suicide is not new. Like you have no. like Romeo and Juliet, which literally shows suicide a lot of other literature and other media that show suicide but like people don't take it too seriously now more people understand what it is and how important mental health is but still there are people who aren't very um understanding or accepting or open-minded about it it makes me think of two things one i wonder if let's say i don't know if you believe in evolution or not but let's say for argument's sake twenty thousand years ago did we kill ourselves? Did people kill themselves? 10,000, 5,000, 50,000, right? People kill themselves once in a while. Do you think that's more of a modern-ish dilemma? I think it's not impossible that people have killed themselves in the past. It's just, it's not documented. And it also makes me think when you talk about mental health, and it really depends on how one is defining mental health. It may not apply to you, but I wonder, like there are people, I believe, some would push back hard against this that end their lives that are rather healthy, don't have a mental health condition. Mm-hmm. don't have or don't have a mental illness. Uh, some people would say the very act of trying to end your life is reflective of a mental illness by definition. Um, my doctor didn't agree with that when I asked him. He's smarter than I am. Well, let's talk about you. Okay. We want to hear about Kathy in Vietnam. All right. So you wanted to get your story out about two years ago. What was going on? How old are you, by the way? Can you share that or no? Yeah, no problem. I am 29 years old. How many suicide attempts do you have? You know what? Looking back, I realized I have three attempts. And the earliest was when I was in high school. I was 12 years old. All right. Let's start there because chronologically it makes sense. 12-year-old Kathy in the Philippines. What's going on? So I'm going to start by saying it was because of a guy. Growing up, up until um, elementary, I was in an all-girls Catholic school. So I... I had no exposure to guys. And so when my parents moved me to a co-ed high school, it was a bit of a culture shock for me. And so I got my first boyfriend at that time at 12. And I'm looking back now like, who gets a boyfriend at 12 years old? And I thought it was so serious at that time. So anyway, I loved this guy so much. Like we were together for four years. It had something to do with another girl. 
Mm. And I was extremely brokenhearted. At that time, we weren't together yet, but I was in love with him. And at that time, he got a girlfriend. And so that broke my heart. I remember I went home that day. I was living with my mom, my brother, my grandfather, my grandmother, and my uncle. And um, my grandfather at that time was battling cancer. So there were tons of pills just around the house. And if I remember correctly, I took 36 pills, 36 cancer medication. I'm pretty sure that wasn't enough to kill me. 12-year-old me in my head, I thought, oh, it's, it's, it's strong medicine because it's for cancer. And so I took all that I could. And I remember waking up the next morning. You know the feeling when you're numb, but you also have that like tingling sensation like pins and needles but a little milder that's how i felt that's also how i felt after my third attempt it's interesting that you might you remember the exact number 99 sure it was 36 and you went to bed and you woke up and you felt somewhat tingly and that and then you just keep going because i felt like maybe it's maybe it was nothing because i felt okay after that like i was just in bed and at that time i was still sleeping beside my mom like she didn't notice anything weird about me, but like I was just there, like right. But what I'm what I'm wondering is, okay, you survive. Maybe you're, it just passed through you. Okay, you're a little tingly. You're in bed with your mom. You're still um, Kathy, twelve years old. Whatever reason you had or feeling you had to end your life, try to end your life the day before, it's still there. Didn't go away, did it? Unless maybe that attempt scared you in a way or shifted things for you. You know what? Honestly, I didn't think much of it because growing up, I've I've always been impulsive and reckless. But you're still going back to school with the dude. Yeah. And no one actually knows about. Oh, no. Okay, so I I wasn't really friends, friends with his then girlfriend. But the culture in the Philippines back then when I was much younger, like people would text each other so much and we'd have all these like group messages and we'd be like messaging each other for no apparent reason and so we chatted with each other and i remember i told her that i took 36 pills risky risky kathy i don't remember what her response was Hmm. but she was a nice person she never fought with me or anything she was never a bitch to me or anything she was a genuinely nice person and so after that really i don't remember anything and as the years passed maybe i didn't think much of it like i didn't think it was a big deal but like looking back now i'm like shit at 12 years old i attempted for the first time you might have gone to sleep and not woken up yeah you would have never had that boyfriend at all (laughs) we wouldn't be talking well yeah (laughs) you wouldn't have a podcast does anything change in your life after that when someone tries to end their life and then they go back to life. I guess at 12, so much is changing anyway that you could kind of almost just be changing so much that you don't want to try to do that again. For sure that could happen, especially when you're you're you know young, but don't know much about the Philippines. Maybe, maybe not super comprehensive mental health care available easily available to a lot of people. No, it's not easily accessible or available. The mental health care that we have is very expensive. I think that's why a lot of people kind of spiral because they can't afford to get you know the help that they need. What did you do to get better? What did you do to feel better? From that attempt, I really don't remember, but there was one more time after that. I didn't attempt, but still 12-year-old me, well, no, 13, because that was the next school year. 
we were already together and we had broken up and I was so depressed. I mean, I don't want to use the word depressed loosely, but I feel like I was because I wanted to run away and I kind of ran away. I had written a note. I used to take the school bus and I was close with one of like my bus mates and I had given her a note and I told her, hey, and her name is Kim. I'm like, Kim, please don't open this until you get home. And so she goes home. She opens it. I do not remember like for the life of me what my plan was at that time because what mm-hmm. happened was I stayed in school. I hid in one of the classrooms. I just stayed there. Like I didn't know what my plan was. Did I plan to leave and go somewhere? I really don't remember. Any idea what was going on even upon reflection? Or I don't know. I don't think I was smart enough to like think of a plan at that time, but I just wanted to disappear. So I hid in one of the rooms locked it from inside. I could hear like the maintenance people, they were trying to saw the door open, which is weird. Why didn't they have a key to the door? But whatever, uh-huh. they just saw the door open and they eventually stopped and just let it be. I'm like, okay, but suicidal ideation at the time was there because I was in the home economics laboratory, home economics classroom. So there were a lot of like materials for crafts mm-hmm. and stuff. And so there were ties But the ties that were available were like the plastic ones that weren't really strong. But now, like, I'm just, I remember I was considering getting that rope because there are ceiling fans and just tying the rope there and just hanging myself. It would not have worked. It would not have worked. (laughs) So many things that would have gone wrong there in that plan. But more importantly, 13-year-old Kathy is going through some stuff. Yeah. I didn't realize that until now because like I I never like took the time to go as far as 12-year-old, 13-year-old Kathy and what her experiences were. Maybe in that aspect of my life, but when I went to therapy, I would mostly talk about like my family situation because I think the biggest stress or like the biggest source of stress that I had in my life growing up was when I was 13, my mom gave birth to my youngest brother and my mom was a single mom mm-hmm. um, at that time. And so I kind of had to be a second parent to my brother. I practically raised him. And there was a time in my life that I was so mad. I was so angry because I felt it was unfair to be given such a heavy responsibility. And like a 13-year-old is not ready to be in charge of another person's life. And aside from that, my mom had a business that I had to help her run. So I was studying, I was taking care of my brother, and I was helping with the business. And 13-year-old Kathy was talking to clients, closing deals, thinking about, you know, operations of the business. And I'm like, I'm thankful for that experience because it helped me like mature much faster than my peers. But like, I missed out on so much from my childhood because like I felt like I didn't have enough time to kind of live my own life. It's like I was constantly living my life for someone else. I think those are really hard to get over. Yeah. That stuff like I missed out on something I cannot get back. And I know people will offer all kinds of silly platitudes and be like, well, you know, and they'll just like, it's not that big of a deal or, hey, you learned a lot or, hey, you can't go. But it's hard. I think it's hard because you can't go back. Tough, tough. Quick segue. Do you have a Brooklyn shirt on? I have a lot of like, I have another New York shirt. I play American football. <laughs> well, not um, 
flag football, not American oh, football. Nice. Very cool. <laughs> That's American football. Same, same premise. Just no tackling. Yeah. yeah. Life is difficult in your teenage years. Now, when you're going through all this with your mom and the, the newborn and then the business, you're starting to date the other guy. You've date, you're, you have a boyfriend. Yes. And that goes on throughout most of high school. The whole of high school, yes. Mm-hmm. We split up just before graduation. So attempt number one, 12, attempt num- almost attempt 13. When's the next one? The next one was 2020. So you're in your mid-20s and you're in the Philippines still. Yeah, I was in the Philippines. In your 20s or post high school, like summarize what was going on, college, work, what what was up? School was difficult because when I was in college, um, there was a time that my mom was so deep in debt. My dad was paying for my education and he actually didn't know that I stopped studying for a semester because the money he had given me for my tuition, I gave to my mom. That was very heartbreaking for me because that was senior year. I had to take a class. It was a two-part class. So the first part was that semester. And then the second part was the next semester. And so it was a prerequisite. And it was a, it was a huge class. It was my favorite class. It was an entrepreneurship, like internship of sorts. Yeah. Uh, that made me really sad because like I really worked hard on on that mm. project um mm-hmm. on that class. And so I couldn't take that class. I stopped um I stopped school and focused on like helping my mom with the business and um helping with my brother still. That was the biggest thing for me in, in college. Um the rest of high school was just really it was just on and off with with that guy. Um but then eventually I just woke up one day and realized I don't want this anymore. And so I broke it off with him and I moved on. Yeah. And then when I started working, nothing really significant. My problems at work had more to do with like my self-esteem and confidence because I've always been a big girl. And in the Philippines, like it's not really the standard of beauty. I was bullied in high school for being fat. And then I was also bullied in the workplace for being fat because I used to work in public relations. Like my boss would constantly tell me like, get rid of your glasses, get contacts, lose weight, change your hair, wear makeup, change your clothes. And it was just, it was too much for me, which is why I left the PR industry because you have to just like please everyone. And we all know that's impossible. It was so stressful. It was just, and it doesn't pay well. I had a falling out with my mom actually in 2018. Uh, I left the PR industry for a while and I semi took over the family business, which is a catering company. So it's kind of high stress as well. Mm -hmm. And the thing with my mom is she has a temper. My dad has a temper. So I also have a temper. It was so stressful. And my mom and I would butt heads every day until one day, like I couldn't take it anymore. So I ran away and I moved in with my best friend, which was like two hours away from where I was originally from. My mom and I didn't speak with each other for like a year. She was so Mm. mad at me for Mm. running away or abandoning her. I would rant to my friends, open up to my friends, and they would say like, technically it's not running away because you're an adult. Um, It's like you moved out. But like in my head, because, you know, we're very traditional and all that, like in my head, it was still running away because I was Mm. living under my my mom's room. After a year uh, in 2019, we um, one day we just met at a mall 
and we made amends. So we just saw each other, cried, hugged, said sorry, and mall amends. <laughs> right, so your mom's back in the picture. And what happens a year later? A year later, I fell in love with this guy I met online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is always the beginning of interesting stories. I fell, I met somebody online, dot, dot, dot. And yep. it was originally like a platonic thing, but then, you know, feelings got involved. So we became like officially together. We were officially together for like, like two years, but it was on off. You officially met this person, right? Like in person. No, it was purely, it was purely online. And wait, where does he live? He lives in Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland? <laughs> yeah. Irish accent, obviously. Did you want to meet him? Yes. No. So we met 2019 online. And the plan was for me to go to Northern Ireland to meet him. Oh, my God. But then COVID happened mm. and lockdown. So I couldn't fly out. And at that time, he wasn't open to flying to the Philippines because... He has some baggage. He had a son before. His son was still a baby, not even a year old. His son passed away. His son's heart just stopped beating. And so because his son is buried in Northern Ireland, like he feels like he can't leave because he Mm -hmm. feels like he's leaving his son. So the only way for us to meet was for me to fly over there. And it is expensive for for me to fly Mm -hmm. there. And he didn't really make a lot of money. I was making more than he was, but I wasn't making enough to kind of, you know, pay for a trip to to Northern Ireland. So I worked four jobs to, you know, earn more so I could visit him. But then again, COVID happened and I couldn't, I couldn't go. He's also dealing with some mental health issues from the trauma of losing. Like, I don't know what it's like to lose a child Mm. so i try to be as understanding as i can he just there are days when he would just cry and he just say like life's so unfair like my son didn't have a choice he was robbed of his life and i could see that he was really hurting and at one point he kind of became my world honestly and it's gonna sound like so cliche but like i lost myself in the Mm. process of like loving him so much in in my podcast his his um his alias is david mm-hmm. so let's call him david the easiest way to explain what things were like before is if there was no david there would be no kathy i lost my sense of self i didn't have hobbies i didn't have things that i loved to do on my own and i would spend most of my days just messaging him calling him and stuff like that to the point where i don't like horror movies i get so scared i get nightmares but because that's what he likes that's what we watch wait a second how do we watch anything when you want one person's in the Philippines? <laughs> um so <laughs> we both find it on netflix and we're on a call on a video call and we just press play at the same time yeah, it was weird. Well, I mean, hey, you do what you got to do when you when you care about somebody, right? <laughs> so I know where this is leading. One day, he was just in one of those moods where he was depressed, thinking about his son. And he said something that triggered me. Um, and I didn't notice in myself that I apparently was already dealing with my own mental health issues. 
I don't think he was the sole reason, but he was what triggered my attempt. I feel like I've already had mental health issues prior to meeting him. That day, he was like, he was crying on the phone. And that was the first time I heard him cry. And so it scared me. And I panicked because like he said something like, and this is non-verbatim, but he said something like, I really miss my son. I want to be with him. Something like, something along the lines of like, I, I'm going to be with him soon. Mm. And so that kind of like, it triggered me. And I'm like, shit, I can't lose him because my life revolves around him. And if he takes his life, then I won't be able to bear it. And so like in my head, no, I'm going to go ahead of you. And so that's when I checked my first aid kit and I looked for, for medicine. I knew it wasn't enough enough to get me there because I'm a big girl. So like the weight also plays a role in how effective it's going to be, right? And at that time, it was my, I thought it was my first attempt. And so I panicked. And so I told him, hey, I took a couple of pills. And he's like, you know, I can't do anything because I'm not there. Call someone. Mm -hmm. Call someone to help you. And my colleague, my work colleague, at this time, we were working from home because it was a lockdown. Um, my work colleague lived in the same building as me. She was on the third floor. I didn't want to call her. So I called a different colleague who lived further away from me. I called him and I'm like, I'm like, Seth, can you please come get me and bring me to a hospital? Because I took a couple of pills. And he's like, Kathy, I can't come because there are checkpoints and I can't go through the checkpoints. You're going to have to ask someone else, someone who's closer. And I said, no, it's okay. It's, it's fine. And so he calls my friend, my colleague who lives in my building. And so the doorbell starts ringing like crazy, but I didn't want to open it. I don't know what was going through my head, but I didn't want to open it. David was on the phone with me and he's like, I can hear the doorbell, open it and get help. No, I don't want to. I lived on the ground floor, so she could just jump into my balcony, but she kept ringing the doorbell. And so when David told me, please answer the doorbell, I don't know what I'd do if I lose you. That was the gist of what he said. And of course, that meant something to me. And I'm like, okay, I'll open the door. And so I opened the door and my friend was hysterical. He, she's like, what did you do? She calls security and security drives me to the nearest hospital, but they don't have a toxicologist on call in that mm -hmm. hospital. So we had to go to another hospital and that other hospital doesn't have a toxicologist either. So we go to another hospital and that's where we found the toxicologist. They were trying to put a tube in my nose. But before we got there, sorry, before we got there, I was I was in the security's car, right? But miraculously, like my mom was trying to call me. And so my friend picked up my phone and she told my mom what was happening. You know, I guess it's just things happen for a reason because um, my friend didn't know how to contact my parents. And the fact that my mom called at that exact moment mm -hmm. was just, I guess, perfect timing. Um, and so I remember my mom... Actually, my brother, my older brother, he opened the door of the car where I was in and he carried me out. I grew up with this older brother of mine. So we're very close. And he was like, why did you do that? We're here. We love you. And uh, my brother was crying. And my brother's like a big guy and all tattooed. And like, he looks really like strong and fierce and brave, but like he's a real softy. And so when he was crying, it just, it broke my heart. And so they wheeled me into the emergency room. And they tried to put a tube in my nose so that they could get the, 
activated charcoal in me because they still had time to pump the medicine out of me. Um, and so that was what they were trying to do. But I was, I was like kicking and punching and screaming because it was so uncomfortable having the tube like being forced down my nose, mm -hmm. down my stomach. And it was just, I have very low pain tolerance. So I wasn't having it. And they were like, okay, we're going to stop the tube, but you have to drink it. If you don't drink it, we're going to force the tube inside you. And so I'm like, okay, I'll cooperate. I'll drink the, I'll drink the activated charcoal. I'll, uh, I, I drank the activated charcoal. It tasted like shit. Um, <laughs> that I remember. I got confined in, in the hospital for a while, mm. just to feel like they could figure out what to do. And my dad, who usually knows what to do every time, one day he came to my to my room and he just sat beside me and he held my hand and he was crying. And that's the first time I saw my dad cry. And he told me, I don't know what to do. And he said, um, we need to ask the doctor. We need to ask the experts because I don't know what to do. And he was just crying. And my dad... My dad usually knows what to do every time because my dad's my dad's a doctor too. And so even if it's not like his specialization, like he would generally like know what to do. But like in this case, like he was just, I don't know, he's he didn't know what to do. My doctor at that time, she was talking to me and she's like, how would you feel if we put you in a psych facility? And I was like, I don't want to go to a psychiatric facility i don't want to go to a mental facility and then she asked me what would you do if we forced you to go to a mental facility and at that point i knew that was where i was going there is no way i could wiggle myself out of it i was definitely going to the facility and i did end up in the facility i stayed there for a month and i told david that i was going in and i said will you still be there when i come back or when i'm out and he's like, yeah. And I asked him, can you please send me messages every now and then so that when I'm out, when I check my phone, I'd have something for you, from you. He did, because when I got out, that was the first thing I looked for, my phone. And uh, he had a few messages. But in that facility, like I questioned why I was there. The other people there had more complex cases than mine. Like they would literally see people and things that aren't there and they would yeah. hear things that aren't there. They would really like throw fits to the point where the like, um, what do you call them? Like the, the nurses, they would literally tie them to the bed in front of everyone. It, it doesn't feel like that kind of place is good for everybody. Like you should have been in a different place or they should be in a different place. It doesn't feel like they just put everyone together. And, and the thing was, the first few days, I was so afraid of sleeping. I know. Because, so there were three people in the room, mm. and both my roommates were schizophrenic. And in my head, like, I was thinking, what am I doing here? I'm just sad. Sounds and like the Philippines and the U.S. do some things similarly. It's not to say that they're dangerous or anything. It's just I was new to it, and I... Sure know much about mental health myself and i honestly they were strangers to me i didn't know what they were capable of right and the thing is i don't know if it's the same it's probably the same the locks are outside so they literally lock you in the rooms right it was such a i don't know it was it wasn't it's it was an experience for sure yeah then was there anything positive you think that came out of it i would say yes because the more the longer i stayed the more i got to know the people 
And some some of them would get violent, but like no one ever got the chance to hurt me. That's positive? And, no, the positive thing is I made friends, mm-hmm. which is actually, it's not allowed. You're not supposed to be friends outside the facility, but oh, I oh. remained friends with two people <laughs> from there. I don't know. I think I think it was possible. Well, one of the positive things was I was on medication properly because like now I'm supposed to be on medication, but I suck at taking pills. So I don't take my medication. But there, because they have you on a schedule, you know, they help you kind of stay in line or just like stay on schedule to keep taking your medication. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the medication helped a lot. That was one thing that I wasn't very open about when I first got in. Like my doctor had to convince me to take my meds because I felt like taking medication at the time meant it was really serious. Mm. But then, of course, the attempt in itself was a clear indication indication that it was serious. Sure. Um, but I wasn't very I wasn't very open to medication at that time. But then when I took it, I felt the difference huh. in my mood. In my it just I felt different. I felt not at my best, but I felt better. And so that's why when I have friends who I know were prescribed medication for their mental health condition and they would they wouldn't take it, I'm like, take it because mm. it helps. Um, but it's expensive. Um, what happened with David? We remained in contact and we kind we got back together after I got out. Uh-huh. And he was still the reason for the second uh, for the third attempt. The third attempt was he broke up with me. Before Christmas of 2020, February of 2021, he told me, so the reason why he broke up with me was because he didn't feel the same anymore. That's what he said. And then I find out that he had been gaming with his friend's cousin who was from England. And so long story short, the girl admitted that he had that she had feelings for him. February of 2021, they got together. And so that's what triggered my my third. How did you try that time? Pills? So that time I ran away. I did not have any intention of committing suicide or attempting suicide rather. Sorry. I ran away to a province about two and a half to three hours away from Manila. And I I withdrew all my cash because I didn't want anyone to find traces. I didn't want anyone to find me. I just wanted to disappear. Mm. I wanted to disappear in new life. So I withdrew all my cash. I brought it with me. I went to a really sketchy motel. One day, I just couldn't anymore. So I called my sister. Because my sister, my sister's a doctor. Her friend has a cousin and that cousin, uh, she is the psychiatrist that I wanted. And so I asked my sister, can you please get her number? I want to, I want to speak with her now. And so my sister, that was, that was like five in the morning. I think when I phoned my sister, she's like, okay, I'm going to try to get her number. La, 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 la. I felt very impatient because I'm a very impatient person in general. I'm a huge brat. Like when I want something, I want something right away. So I couldn't wait longer. And I called my dad and like, dad, I'm not okay. Can you please come pick me up? And he's like, where are you? And I said, I'm in la, 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 la. He's like, what are you doing there? And I said, I, I wanted to run away. La, la, la. And he's like, okay, stay there. And I'm going to pick you up. He picked me up. He said, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know, but I don't want to go back to the facility. Because I knew that if I called my mom, my mom would say, go back to the facility. Because the facility was my mom's idea, basically. 
And so I said, I told my dad that no, I don't want to go back to the facility. And he's like, okay, let's try this. Start taking your medication again. See if that helps. If it helps, that's good. If it doesn't, we'll figure it out. We went to the pharmacy on our way back. He bought me my medication and he dropped me off at my place. And I was okay for a while until I wasn't. Maybe two weeks, give or take. I was shouting all the time. I was raised Christian. And I, at that time, I was I was so mad at God. And I was saying, why would you give me something and then take it away from me? And I was just screaming and punching the walls and crying until I just couldn't anymore. I researched again on what pills to take to make sure that I actually become successful this time around. During this time in 2021, TikTok was all the rage. There were a lot of like news articles about people overdosing on Benadryl. So I wondering if I should include this in the podcast, right? Oh, probably not the specific. Well, I can edit it out. That's not a problem. But then I think if they're talking about it on an English television program and it's all over TikTok, what's the difference? Did you use Benadryl? Oh, I did. I did. So I used Benadryl. I swear I calculated two hours. I should be gone. So I went on Gmail, typed my note for my family. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know how you can schedule an email? So I scheduled it. I have a thing for 11.11. So I scheduled it at 11.11 in the evening. But I took the pills before lunchtime. Mm -hmm. So that's more or less 12 hours. I should be gone by then. I was so sure. I was so sure because I calculated everything. I, I woke up. I woke up because someone was banging on my door. Someone was banging on my... I thought I was dreaming. But you remember I mentioned earlier the tingling, numb sensation thing that I experienced? That is the exact same thing that I felt when I woke up. It took me a while to realize who was banging on my door. And it was my brother. I got up. I opened my bedroom door. And because I was all tingly and numb, I fell over. So, And I couldn't get up because my muscles, my body wasn't working. So I crawled to the front door. I opened the door. My brother just ran and like he carried me. And that's all I remember. I don't remember anything else after that. I only remember waking up in the emergency room. And at that time, they couldn't do the whole charcoal, activated charcoal thing because my body has already absorbed all the medication. They couldn't pump it out of me anymore. Again, this isn't verbatim. I don't think medical professionals are allowed to say this, but I was kind of dead for three days just because all my organs were failing. Wow. They had to put me in the ICU until my my um, my organs started working again properly. And I was there for, for three days, miraculously, started functioning properly. And that's when I met my new doctor who has helped me so much. Like she was the most effective out of all the doctors that I've worked with. She was the one who helped me through my problems, through my issues. And I am in a much, much better place now because of her. Mm, I appreciate you sharing it. How long have you been in Vietnam? Three months, just. So most of this is happening in the Philippines. You still have her as your doctor. You meet virtually. Yes. And now you move to Hanoi. How many people know that we're talking? No one. Zero. Zero. Okay. Do you think you'll listen to this episode when it comes out? Yes. Do you think you'll tell people, anyone about it? Yeah, I will. Yeah, for sure. What happened with the note on Gmail? Did it go out? Yeah. Um. So my mom read it. And so that's why she called my brother because my brother was closest to me. All right. And so that's why he came running. How long is the note? 
oh my gosh, I have it in my email. It wasn't long because my first suicide note was long. Okay. I think it was like three pages. Um, but like the the most recent one, it was it wasn't it wasn't oh. long. I just told them it's not your fault. I just can't anymore. I'm sorry, and mm-hmm. I love you. It's not that short, but like that was the gist. Yeah, you wish any of the other attempts, past attempts, had worked? No. How many people? Well, now people will know about it. But I also know you have a podcast. Clearly, from the what you shared, a couple people. So it sounds like some people know about your attempts. Yeah. Yeah. How many people do you have in your life to talk to about difficult things other than your therapist? Not, some people can't talk about suicide with their, their therapist. It sounds like you probably can. Yeah. I want to say like when I'm depressed and stuff, I have like three solid people that I run to. Nice. Aside from, so I got a therapist here in Hanoi as well, because I feel like I need a face-to-face therapist. So I have a therapist here and I have a therapist virtually, which is my my doctor. Mm-hmm. Did you ever receive a diagnosis you agree with? Um, yes. So originally the first attempt, technically the second attempt, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder with uh, anxious distress. And then my my latest attempt, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder with anxious distress and borderline personality traits, not the full disorder, because um, I had just like three out of the nine symptoms. And then as I started kind of, you know, working on myself and working closely with my doctor, I asked her because I saw the difference in myself. Like I literally learned how to love myself, which was my biggest struggle before because I hated myself before. Like I was very insecure and all that. And so when I started noticing that I was feeling much better, I asked my doctor, like, do you still think that's my diagnosis? And she's like, no, you are bipolar. I see that. I see that because when I'm manic, I go on like ridiculous shopping sprees. And it's crazy. I know when I'm manic. I know when I'm manic. But sometimes it it scares me because I know when I'm manic, the depressive side comes not long after. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I don't really look forward to that. But I agree. I see that I am bipolar. Okay. Wow. All right. So when's your birthday? Uh, January 8th. You think you'll make it? Yes. 35? 35 years old? Yeah. All right. Cool. That's all I'm going to ask about. We don't know beyond (laughs) Beyond that. That's a long ways away. Other than flag football, what do you enjoy doing? I love eating. I love eating out. Oh my gosh. It's going to sound so weird, but I love working. I've always been a workaholic. Not exactly proud of that, but I like going out with friends. I'm a very social person. I think that's also one of the reasons I enjoyed doing my podcast so much because I like talking a lot. And I had a couple of people that I talked with like interviewed in in my podcast and I enjoy those things. Do you ever talk to David? I recently blocked him. Oh. I recently blocked him, but he found my email address from my podcast. So mm-hmm. he emailed me a lot of drama stuff, but I cut him out completely cuz like there was no I told him there's no point. You're happy with your life, I'm happy with mine. Let's just leave it at that. There's no point in us kind of like keeping each other in our lives. Are there any myths around suicide, mental health, long distance relationships that you want to dispel? It's not really a myth, but because I know a lot of long distance relationships work. I think it's just like anything else. Like it could work for someone. It won't work for others. You know, it's not a one size fits all kind of thing. But I, for, for myself, at least I realize it's not for me. Got it. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. So myths around suicide. That People who commit suicide are selfish. Mm, That is the number one thing that I hate hearing from people. 
I think if I were, I wonder how it would be different if I asked that question to people who are suicide loss survivors. We have some different answers there. Probably, yeah. Probably. But I don't. How long do you think you'll stay in Vietnam for? For now, I'm thinking two years. I just want to see how it goes. Like, I know a lot of people who have moved here and have been living here for like six years, 10 years, 15 years. It's my first time living abroad, kind of taking it day by day, but so far so good. Like, it's not perfect. I've had breakdowns here and there, but I still think it's a, it was a good decision to move here. Do you ideate? Do you think about killing yourself ever? No, no. Not at all. Zero. I find like when I reflect sometimes and I think about, you know, my past attempts, it makes me cry happy tears because I know now, no matter how hard things get, I won't ever try it again. Okay. I'm happy to be alive and I'm happy that like none of my attempts were successful. When did you get that heart tattoo on your wrist? Mm -hmm. Last November here in Hanoi. This one I got yesterday. There's a heart and a tree of flowers. Okay, cool. Heart and flowers. Nice. Nicely done. The flowers were drawn by my sisters. The leaves were drawn by my brothers. Um, and then this one, the bumblebee was drawn by my mom. And the butterfly was drawn by my dad. All right. So family affair. What else would you like to add? I just want to share, um, I guess, since I moved here in Hanoi, I have come across. So there's like a Facebook group for like the Hanoi community. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a couple of people post about their mental health and how they're not okay. On Facebook, there's an option to post anonymously, right? In groups. And I just feel like I was in their shoes once. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they feel helpless and hopeless makes me sad because I know that there's help. And I'm glad that they post because at least that's like the first step, like acknowledging that you need help. But then you, there are a lot of people, you know, toxic people online. So there are a lot of people who kind of like say mean things to them too. And it's so annoying because like you don't right. know if your comment would be like the last straw for them. That's right. Kathy the Panda is a podcast that Kathy has. Check it out. Kathy with a C, the Panda. Well, thank you very much for talking with me. I really appreciate it. Great to meet you and thank you for having me. So, Kathy, take care. Do have a great weekend. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to Kathy in Vietnam. Thank you, Kathy. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you would like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. And a couple of friendly reminders. If you listen on Apple, please rate and review this podcast. It helps people find it. Of course, we want more people to find it. So more people in more places could feel a little less shitty and a little less alone and check the show notes for a handful of other things that may be of interest to you. And that is all for episode number 163. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>